Hey, John, welcome back to another working session, man. How are things over there in the, I guess the mountain region is what you would call it. It's past the Midwest, but not quite the West Coast. We'll call it the mountain region. How's life over there? Taught my daughter the other day that's the Mountain West, James, is what I is what I taught her. Because we're not West Coast, but we're not the Midwest, that's for sure. When I drive her home, I'm, I'm trying to teach her direction. What direction are we driving? I don't know. North? I'm like, yep, we're driving north. Now, west. The mountains are west. We're in the Mountain West, is what she told me yesterday. I was like, heck yeah, we are, three-year-old. I'm good, man. Things are Things are going well over here. The trees have all bloomed. So the flowers are gone, which means my sinuses are happier. So yeah, it's great. It's getting warmer, which is awesome. We're like full on into spring and heading quickly into summer. It'll get hot here soon. So try to escape to the mountains and other places. But yeah, dude, all good over here. And I think what we want to talk about today for our icebreaker is talking about, and I don't think there's an actual like answer to this, but I think it's an interesting conversation is the balance between learning and doing and how do we protect our time to continue developing ourselves or how do we continue developing ourselves, but also still take action? I think it's what we were getting at. And uh, this came up in the context of, I texted you yesterday about a book, High Output Management, I think is what it's called. Cause I've been listening to Ben Horowitz's Hard Thing About Hard Things. I read it years ago, listening to it again. And he recommends it. I asked you if you had read it. And we kind of went down the, you know, the line. I listened to a lot of audible books. I've got two coaches, just a, you know, I, I learn a lot. I read a lot. I learn a lot. But it can also lead to just, but if we go too far, it can lead to analysis, paralysis by analysis, not actually getting work done. So I guess I'm curious, that's your take on the subject. I've got a lot of thoughts, but tell me what you think about this. How do you think about this in your life? Yeah. So first thing I'll say is I firmly believe that everybody should be a lifelong learner, that education doesn't stop when you graduate whatever program you graduate from, whether that's high school, college, graduate school, whatever. In fact, that's one of our core values at The Good that we hire in and promote and fire based off of is, um, is somebody constantly seeking to get better in some aspect of their life. It doesn't always have to be professional, but are they still studying? Are they still practicing? Are they still trying to sharpen that sword, so to speak? So I do believe in that. But I think if all you ever do is read books and never take action on any of that stuff, then that can be detrimental, at least in a professional sense to achieving your goals. So, you know, I've always kind of like I told my wife, I'll go to school for as long as it's free, even if it's like a PhD or something like that. And then I started these little side hustles and businesses and found out that was the best classroom for me. So that's the way I learned. But increasingly, it's as you have a full time day job, you got a couple of small kids, you've got a spouse and a relationship there to nurture, you try to have friends and family outside of that or hobbies, and you've got a side hustle, something's got to give. And so my current thinking around this is that I wish I could do more dedicated learning. And what I mean by that is take courses, read a book and take intentional notes about it, you know, really kind of like document the learning so I can internalize them and get those reps in. But I'm finding more and more that if I want to do the castaway thing and want to be effective at my day job and want to be a husband and a father and a friend, then I don't necessarily have that uninterrupted time to just digest that. So what I've been doing instead is kind of passive learning. It's easy for me to throw a podcast or an audiobook on while I'm doing work as long as I'm not trying to write something because words coming into my ears and words trying to come out of my fingertips, that doesn't work well for me. Some people like it, it doesn't work well for me. So I can learn that way. But if I want to actually take action on any of those learnings, I can't take my nights and weekends to do that kind of dedicated education or self-education. So I don't know, that's kind of my split right now is I I look at it as a season of life where it's more about doing than learning. And as Castaway continues to grow, we bring more team members on, we use automation, we use delegation, that type of thing. Then I'll have more freedom to work with an executive coach or get back into self-study and go and fill the cup, so to speak, with more education at that point. Where are you at right now? Good question. I've kind of been going through a change with this and actually posted a YouTube video recently about like, 
I feel like learning to make good decisions is actually easy, but learning to make a lot of good decisions is really hard. And I'm trying to make more good decisions, which means I'm also going to make some bad decisions. And so for me, that means having the right like frameworks and like that sort of stuff and having these like little nuggets of, you know, snippets that I can just like grab, you know, and, and kind of who, who, who I learned that from is it doesn't really matter to me. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks on my walks in the morning. I don't, I can't focus on the sit down and read a book in depth and highlight it. I do some like on my Kindle. It's just hard for me. I'm not a, you know, watch a six hour video course and take notes and come out the other side, you know, with, with a ton of knowledge and an expert on the subject. Like that is not me at all. So I'm, I, I just do a lot more of the passive learning that you were talking about and try to have these little nuggets that I can grab, which are also useful as I'm like doing things like this that I can bring in, you know, oh, I said this the other day, I was listening to this podcast the other day. And you know, Grant Cardone said this thing, and it stuck with me. And that helped me make this decision. I'm more looking for what are these like mindsets and, and like, kind of frameworks. And that's the kind of studying that I do, because then that informs everything else. I don't need someone telling me like, oh, go send a nine word email 30 days after someone blah, blah, blah. Like I know to do that. I've got that knowledge because I invested in it in the past but that's not where I am now. So my thinking is like, you got to start with the tactics, learn the tactics, then learn the strategies, then start learning the frameworks. Then you get into the mindset work. And then eventually that's just kind of where you operate and what you should be learning because then you can take these different strategies and you've learned how to think. And then you can put together the things that are actually going to, you know, that you think are going to move whatever forward, whether it's business or relationships or whatever, finance. Yeah. It makes me think about that phrase. There are these phases of life that people go through and they usually say your teens and your 20s are for learning, your 30s and 40s are for earning, and your 50s and 60s and beyond are for returning. So if you look at us, like we'd be very firmly in that earning stage. So really, I think it aligns with what you're saying. If you presumably you spent your 19s and 20s learning a lot about certain types of things in, in your professional life, and then you spend all of your 30s and 40s applying all those concepts so that scale tips in that direction. And then as you apply them, presumably you earn more. And when you get into kind of those golden years, you're in a place to give back to the community. You become the mentor to the people who are in that learning stage. And that's how the cycle operates. So I don't know, that kind of sounds like maybe we're dancing around that core message, which is we've done our learning. Now it's time to invest in earning or putting that stuff into practice. And then down the road, maybe we'll become the teachers, the educators based off of the experience. Yeah, we've done the like the skills learning. Now we're doing the like frameworks and decision making learning, which is what happens as you become a leader, as you become an executive, a founder, etc. And then eventually, like you take all of that, and then you've applied it and you've learned lessons from that. And then you can take it and, you know, kind of carry on the torch, you know, to others because others have taught you I learned from Dan Martell and Dean Graciosi and, you know, even though Alex is younger than us, you know, all, all those guys. And then eventually I can pass that stuff along to people that are wanting to learn from me because I've taken what I've learned and applied it and, you know, earned the right to speak, I guess. But I will say, James, the last thing I, I, I want to say on this is that, well, maybe not the last thing, but like something else I, I just want to make sure to say is like, it can be super easy. And I found myself getting to the point where I'm like, I just have all of the, I have too many input. I'm listening to too many people and too many people are telling me different things I don't know what the F to do. <laughs> and so I've actually recently been like, I, I, I got to cut back here. Like I got to streamline who I'm listening to. I'm not bringing in new voices for a little while. And I just need to apply it. I need to apply all the things that I've learned. And so I'm actually in a mode right now of just building, which is great because Editor Ninja is just blowing up. And I'm like, I have to operate. Like, you know, I just have no space in my life other than my walks to, to learn, right? To read, like that sort of stuff. 
And that's fine. And I think that's natural. And I also made that choice that I was going to make my days busier, which meant I have less time to be on social media. I have less time with my friends, like that kind of thing. But, you know, I also only believe we can do three out of five things well. So what have we invested in a ton? What can we kind of put a little bit on autopilot while we invest in other things? And then the balance kind of shifts. But for me, that balance has shifted between learning and action right now. Yeah, I feel that a lot, just like the noise and trying to find the signal amongst all of it, because you're grabbing a podcast while you're working. And then when I go to the gym at night, I'll throw another podcast or an audio book on and it's okay, there's all these different voices, all these different messages, like none of it's really sticking. If you listen to 20 different things, you retain 5% of what you hear. That's not as good as listening to three things and retaining 50% of it, you know, so there's something there. The other the, the last point I had that was top of mind for me was uh, kind of this concept of just-in-time learning. I am still very much doing that. Upright, run, hit a roadblock. What's going on? How do I get past this roadblock? Let me learn a very specific skill, strategy, tactic, you know, framework that applies to that, that gives me over or around the roadblock. And then I'm in operational mode again until I hit the next one. I will say that I am doing some of that. And, you know, it's always good to have, that's the power of specialization or niching down for the people who are making those resources is like, I'm looking to solve a very specific problem. I'm looking to put together a playbook for podcast outreach and getting my boss placed on those podcasts. If I don't already have that knowledge, that's literally what I'm Googling. And if you have niched down to the point where you have addressed that specific problem, like I'm buying right away because I, I want to solve that problem right now. So um, maybe some food for thought for the listeners if you're building info products. Yeah, I, I, and I like that concept of just in time learning as well. You know, I have my bachelor's, my parents paid for my education, for my college education and you know, all that, but I don't have an advanced degree. I mean, I kind of feel like I like to say I've gotten my, I've gotten my MBA from being an entrepreneur and running businesses from the school of hard knocks and making all those mistakes. And yeah, there's a few things that like, I know people learn, like my wife learned in her MBA that I would have loved to have learned earlier on, but like, I've learned it as I've needed it, that just in time learning. I'm not one of these, as, oh, former education is ridiculous and should all be blown up and et cetera. Like, there's a time and a place, but it's also not right. Like the way it's maybe being done isn't right. Like there's, you know, the whole thing could be debated and I don't really care to get into it. But I think that just in time learning is, is a, actually a big thing that more people should do because it's, yeah, it's biased towards action. And so I have to learn this thing because I'm doing other things and this has now come up and that's a good problem. It's like, that's a growth problem is what I call that. Yeah. You get people with these hypotheticals like, yeah, but what if I sell 100 castaway clients? I don't know. Worry about that when you sell them. You'll find a way. That's a, that's, that's a champagne problem to have, right? So, you know, what if I write all these articles and I don't get any, I don't start ranking for any terms? It's like, well, you still wrote the articles. So then you take the course and then you go back and do the technical SEO on it and you fix things or whatever. I don't know. It's just the, the stakes are usually very low. So worrying about the what ifs versus like just trying things and jumping in and figuring it out along the way. And by the way, if you share your journey, like we are right here in the show, somebody's going to chime in and say, don't go down that path. I already did. So that, that's another, I guess, another bonus for sharing and your journey and working in public is you get some of that feedback organically. Yeah. Well, and you're guaranteed to fail if you don't do things, which like, I don't know, that's not how I, and a lot of people do that. They just stay where they are because they're afraid of, well, what if, I don't know, what if is exciting for me? <laughs> what if, and like, I don't know, you know, I'm very comfortable with that. I've become very comfortable with that. And I think you can actually learn to become comfortable with that you know, over time as you do more things. And yeah, it's kind of the old, you know, CEO, like what if we train our people and, and they leave and the CEOs, what if we don't train them and they don't, right? Which one's worse, you know? And some people are going to go towards one or the other, but I mean, the point there is like train your people and yeah, they might leave, but also keep them around, you know? Yeah. You write a hundred articles and they might not rank, 
you can learn, but now you've learned how to write articles and now you can learn how to rank them. Yeah. It's just, you figure these things out as you go, like stuff I'm getting into now with editor ninja. I'm like, man, I have not done this before. And if we, you know, we're at five editors now, like six people, me and, and five editors and the size that is the biggest credo has ever gotten to already. So I'm like, I don't know how to take a company beyond six, but guess what? I'm going to learn. <laughs> I don't have a choice unless I like, if I quit, sure, I have a choice, but like I can, you know, I cannot learn it by not doing it, but I'm going to have to learn it. And that's a great problem to have. You know, it's going to require more. And that's only a good thing if I want it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh, well, while we're talking about Editor Ninja, you said it's blown up both in team size and performance lately. So what's the latest update since the last time we talked? Yeah. Latest. I mean, it's only been a week. It feels like way shorter. Basically. So in the last week I have hired two more editors because a couple of our customers told us that they were dramatically scaling up their, their capacity. And so I was on call with one of our biggest agency customers and they were like, they basically told me they're going to increase their throughput by 50 last month to this month. And they're like, how does that, how does that sound? I'm like, sounds like I need to hire. <laughs> so I pinged my lead editors with you and was like, I need more calls with editors. So yeah, so got, got two on board. One started yesterday. One is starting this coming week. And it's cool because it's forced us to formalize a lot of our systems that we talked about at the start. Like in January, I was like, yeah, we're probably going to need like a managing editor, like basically account managers that are in charge of specific customers that then they're lead editors because people are asking us, well, do I get a dedicated editor? Like that sort of thing. And now with enough, we have enough customers on this. Yep. Let's formalize that. So yesterday basically went through and I got have managing editors for everyone, have lead editors for everyone. There are backup editors for every customer, kind of moving capacity is around. I've got like pivot tables that show me who has capacity and who doesn't. Like it's fascinating. It's actually really fun to put together. But yeah, so I, we made that. I'm not showing it like in the product yet, like to each customer, here's your managing editor. Here's your, you know, your lead editor, but that's coming up really soon. So yeah, just kind of building those like base systems that are going to allow us to go, you know, cause I'm like, all right, we're at five editors now. How do we get, I know one of our biggest competitors has over 400. So I'm like, what, let's worry first about going from five to 50. What's going to get us there. And then we can worry about 50 to 250 and then 250 to 500, et cetera. And so we just, you know, we build the, I build the systems for the stage that we're at now to get us to, you know, double or three X or whatever. So yeah, that's cool. And then on the, you know, talking about doing it yourself, delegating versus doing it yourself thing recently, I was dealing with it with an issue around just like kind of calculating words edited and pay for contractors and that kind of thing. And admit, I like, messed it up a couple of times, got payouts wrong, like overpaid once, underpaid twice, and made it right on the next one. And they're early editors. And, you know, I set that expectation from the start. And, but I can't get to 15 editors and be getting payouts wrong. And so I, I pinged my ops guy from Credo. He's like contractor ops guy. And was like, Hey man, can we hop on for 30 minutes? And you help me out with something with editor ninja. He's sure. Like, it's a phenomenal operations mind. And we hopped on and in 30 minutes. We had it figured out, you know, and I've been trying to make this, I've been trying to get this right for like six weeks. And we made it happen in 30 minutes. So it was just like, for me, that was a, a reminder about lean on people that are great, that you've worked with before that are great at what they do, that can help you solve these problems a lot quicker. Yeah, because I've had some situations where I hire the quote unquote expert, and they're not particularly helpful. And that's frustrating because you're like, I thought it was going to cut the six weeks out and I paid premium to have something that, you know, somebody that's universally recognized as one of the authorities in this space Maybe it's just my situation or maybe they oversold themselves, but like it just didn't work out. And that's really frustrating because that's what everybody tells you to do. Pay for the expert, lean on the expert. They'll help you out. 
in the best scenarios, man, it's a godsend. But in the worst scenarios, you're like, ah, I just spent all that money for nothing and I'm back to square one. I'm still trying to figure this out. So you may have to take some nicks and bumps along the way, right? Yep. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we just, yeah, we take our nicks and bumps and, you know, but you're not going to learn if you don't try. So yeah, you know, you, yeah, you got to kiss some frogs sometimes. And, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, even now I hop on, you know, calls with people. I paid someone years ago, like 1500 bucks for like an hour consulting call. And basically what they told me to do was keep on doing the same things we were doing. And I was like, but what I'm doing is I booked a call to you for a reason. Cause what I'm doing isn't working. And you're just telling me to do more of it. What are you talking about? But the vast majority of people, right? Phil 30 minutes, boom, we got this thing taken care of. And now it's fixed for the future. And I can, you know, I can grow to the next level confidently. So yeah. So it's just finding those right people, finding that signal kind of as we were talking about, not just like asking whoever every Tom, Dick and Harry, but just, you know, here's the, here are the people that I can lean on. So yeah, that was good. And then also I did roll out on the sales and marketing side. I kept doing demos, signed on a couple new customers, which is awesome. And uh, roll and got, got a couple more on the bubble that are still just like same ones from like a month or so ago. They're still on the bubble trying to get them across the finish line. So getting close there. Yeah. And I officially rolled out uh, word bundles. So basically like the ability for people to buy a set of words to use over the next 12 months, if they don't have kind of a formal, you know, like know that they have a consistent need of 12, 15, whatever thousand words. And then also uh, subscription customers can buy that as well to basically guarantee capacity like for that month. And I formalized basically how many words we do depending on what level you're, what type of member you are, what type of customer you are, that kind of thing. So, you know, and I've uh, applied a lot of my learnings from Credo and from like packaging stuff up, you know, people being like, well, can you check our SEO score, like our phrase SEO scores before you return it to us to make sure your editing didn't de-optimize it? We sure can on the subscription, <laughs> right? We're not going to do it for free doc. We're not going to do it for single docs. We don't have free documents. We're not going to do it for single docs. We're not going to do it for word bundles, but we'll do it on the subscription. On word bundles, you get a managing editor, but you don't get a dedicated lead editor. You do want a subscription. So I'm really trying to like formulate, like what do those packages look like and get people to select, oh, I actually really want that. Cool. That's the one that, you know, that you belong on. So yeah, the, all that, that, all those packages and such are, it's really starting to come together. Like it feels good that it's, you know, we're kind of formalizing what people need and how they can pay and what they get and all of that to help people make that choice for themselves too. I would love for demo calls just to be a formality. Hey, I want to sign up to this. Great. Here's your link. You know, let's schedule an onboarding call. <laughs> It'd be awesome. You know, it's the dream and we'll get there eventually. On the bundles piece, is that just the front end presentation of it? Or did you also, because I know at one point you were like, I'm going to track the the drawdown for the bundles in a spreadsheet for now as an MVP. And then as we sell them, like maybe I'll invest in building some tooling behind that. Did you go ahead and jump in and do the tooling? Or is this just a front end the way it's presented to the world and sold? So it is front end way is presented to the world and sold. It's self-serve. People can just sign up or they can book a demo to discuss it. And, you know, I can kind of help them out. I also set it up so that subscription customers can buy. It was interesting. It was weird. Like my, in order for us to have someone join on like a, a membership level within my system, they can only have one level and they can't have like numerous add-ons. So the way the membership software is set up is they could buy one 50,000 word bundle, but they couldn't buy another one which is strange. So basically for the initial bundle, for someone that's not a subscriber, they have to, they, they buy it one way and then they they join up and then they're able to buy future ones via, it's actually WooCommerce. So like WooCommerce products. And then this membership software has an add-on for WooCommerce. So I can show them one price because they're not a subscriber, but I can show subscribers a reduced price because they are committed monthly. 
So I had to like kind of untangle all of that. It took me a few days to kind of untangle all that, but I got all that built out, but we have not built the tooling for showing them their, their remaining balance and that sort of thing. Basically, I don't build that stuff until I get three people on it. I've got one on it right now and two more kind of like on the, or I've got two on it, two on it, two on it right now. And then, so I've got, and then one more on the bubble. And once they do that, then, I mean, it's going to cost me 500 bucks to get a developer to build it out. So I get one more and okay, cool. Now let's build it out so that, you know, we can show the proper like balances in real time and that kind of thing. But yeah, I'm all about hacking it together in spreadsheets until you have enough people using it to know what they want. And then you invest in building it. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That was my main thing is, man, how did he execute on that so fast with the, you know, showing the active balance and anytime a new document is approved or returned back to the client or whatever, you know, subtracting 2000 words or the exact word count. And I was just like, is operation or his executional speed was just kind of like impressive. So I'm glad to, I'm kind of glad to hear it reassures me a little bit or makes me feel better about myself that it was just the the sales end. But I think that's super smart. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of tossed around the same thing. Like even on the castaway side, I'm wondering if the service dropdown has three items and it says, you know, on demand bundles subscription and then segment somebody based on kind of the payment model they're most interested in and then show them bundles for podcast repurposing bundles for personal branding bundles for whatever you know that kind of I'm struggling with you start with the service in mind or do you start with the payment model and then show the services as they're priced in that kind of payment model you know what I mean it's kind of kind of tough to suss that one out yeah I I think I would default to the service first because people aren't looking for like subscription blah 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 they're looking for like podcast editing podcast repurposing podcast promotion something like that start with that and then show them the different ways that they can do it. You got to, you can buy a bundle, you can do a subscription for ongoing needs. I mean, it's very similar to what you can do. One, you can do one episode, yeah. right? Like we basically have the same model, James. So that yeah, I've started with the, like the use case of like copy editing and then, okay, now here are the ways you can get copy editing done, right? If you don't know, you know, and you can subscribe to any of them, like just, you know, just buy, you don't have to do a demo now, but we still what we push, but yeah, but it, it, it's the need. I go off of the need, not the like, because people don't really know how they want to pay necessarily. I think that's where I landed too, which is like you have the service page and then a section on that service page is three ways to get started. And it says on-demand bundle subscription and then let them segment at that point. But they have to be bought into the the actual service that's being provided first. And then you offer them three ways to pay if you want to do Cool, man. Well, I don't know if it's one of those things where once you buy a new car, you start to see that car everywhere. But I've seen so much like talk about editing and hey, freelancers, do you work with an editor? Or do you have an in-house editor for your blog publication? Why or why not? I don't know. I just feel that since I've just been ran- browsing around on Twitter lately, a lot of random messages have popped up. I'm like, hey, John's riding the wave. Or maybe it's just the universe like sending me a signal for stuff I'm already thinking about. But Yep. Yep. Yeah. I I talked about it the other day as, you know, I'm glad I grabbed my surfboard because I am like called a wave and now like dropping into the space and I'm just trying to not get barreled. Just keep on going, you know, keep selling, keep on going, constantly be hiring editors. And, you know, then that's going to give me, like I talked last week, I think about slow down on sales, et cetera. And no, I'm not like, I'm just because I was afraid of not being able to bring on editors, but if we're always bringing on editors, right. And kind of have that whole queue there then, you know, we're good and I can keep on selling. So as the demand is there, let's freaking go. Let's freaking sell. And the moment, like we have wind in our sales right now. We have momentum. So you don't know when that wind is going to stop. So we got to get as far as we can on this, you know, on this storm. So. Cool, man. Uh, Was there anything else on the editor ninja side of things? No, I don't. I mean, there are some other things I could talk about, but we can get into them, you know, in another episode as I've kind of formed it up a bit more. So tell me what's going on with Castaway these days. 
Yeah, yeah. Last time we talked, I think I proposed my biggest challenge was plumbing, as I called it, which is just like, how do we route all the individual tasks and subcomponents of these client engagements and made a lot of progress on that this week. I basically built out an entire ecosystem in Asana where basically client has their own environment and they have a custom template for the exact deliverables they've signed up for. You duplicate that template for every episode. Inside of that template has basically an SOP for each section. So it's produced the blog post, you know, put together the writing brief or produce a transcript, put together a writing brief, share the outline for approval, the draft, that kind of thing. Like all those little subcomponents, you just right click, copy, change the episode title and you're off to the races. And then I can drag that across the status, basically, where it's not started, assigned, you know, in progress, finished, all that kind of stuff. So a lot of progress there on the plumbing thing. And I think that feels good. That's kind of like getting out ahead of scale a little bit, but it's going to preserve my sanity down the road. So really enjoying that. And then the other operations piece I wanted to talk about today is while I figured out the back of the house, the client experience still has a lot of room for improvement in terms of onboarding. That's still the James Sauer show. That's like somebody buys, I reach out, Hey, here's how things are going to happen. You know, here's what the next few steps look like. Collecting those assets. Like I have things documented. Like here's a Google Doc. Here's your checklist for all your brand assets. Let's make sure we have all these. We got your logo. We got your color palette. We got your fonts. We got your headshots, all that kind of thing. It's all happening. But I've seen this product before called Arrows. Have you heard of it? It's arrows.to. It's kind of like a guided onboarding experience where it's like more interactive and you kind of get this custom uh, page that you just send folks to and it has a drop down. And when they physically do the things, they can check them off. So it's a little bit more, I don't know, you're just holding their hand a little bit more without having to physically be there. I've thought about something like that, maybe. I think it's too early for that, but I'd like to get to a place like that where there's a repeatable onboarding experience that every client goes through. And it's either driven by the WordPress environment and some kind of interface there or a product like Arrows where it's just, hey, we can't start work until these three steps are done. And here's a little micro SaaS tool that helps you make sure that you satisfy all those steps so we don't have any delays getting started, right? I don't know. What's your reaction to any of that? I've been thinking about the same thing because we've got enough people coming on and like new customers came on two days ago. And for all the ones before that, I had done basically a like hop on and show them around the product and show them how to do whatever. And with this one, I kind of wasn't sure if they were going to sign up, first of all, and they did. And it was like eight o'clock at night and I'm like winding down and I was like, you know what? We don't have any follow ups for scheduled onboarding call, like that sort of stuff. I was like, I'm just going to see if they can do what they need to do. 30 minutes later, not even 10 minutes later, they had a document uploaded and I was like, oh, interesting. Like they just they did it. And like our I mean, our onboarding experience is terrible. We drop them onto the dashboard and there's four different places they can go. I mean, it kind of makes sense. Add a document, view your queue, view all your documents, you know, buy more capacity, right? So it's like pretty simple, but we don't have things, you know, they, right now they have to link us to a style guide in every document. They link us to a style guide. And so I've been thinking about like, how do we kind of formalize this and also give editors a way to add in, you know, I mean, part of the nice thing about with a managing editor and a lead editor is they get to know the customer. And so they stop like, having to ask a ton of questions or they just learn the intricacies of they use a period at the end of bullet points or they don't like that sort of stuff. So basically what I've been thinking about is like, how can we give them all, you know, a style guide or give an agency, like they have their clients and then that we're editing for, and then give us a style guide for that client that we can also edit as kind of a collaborative doc between us and them. But basically how do I make it so that customers can just upload that? Honestly, it's probably going to be a simple form that is upload your brand style guide. It's like, or you're editing your brand editing style guide. Who is this for? Like, which, you know, plain text field, who is this for? 
link us to the, you know, to the document. And then basically that creates a copy in our system. So we have it, which is shared with all the editors and it's, you get my point. Yeah. Yeah. So you can either, I mean, I go to the build it ourselves just because I know how to do it with WordPress and Gravity Forms and Zapier. Yeah. But Arrows, I know Matt at Summit used used Arrows for a while. I think he's an investor there. Yeah. There's numerous ways to do it, but I, I like it. Yeah. You can just be like, yep. To get started, we need these five things. Here you go. Upload yeah. this, upload this, upload this, and we're good. And then the final step is schedule a kickoff call, especially if you're doing your like self, you know, just buy it yourself without a demo call thing could be really, yeah. could be more important for you than it is for me. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. And I, I've even weighed the idea of does your first, if you get on a subscription, is your first month only 500 bucks, but it's basically kickoff month. And we just work together to get all your templates nailed down. So like that gives us plenty of time to collect your brand assets. But then also like, here's your YouTube frame template and we put your brand on it and we use your colors and your fonts. Is this something you're happy with? Across that month, if you're browsing on the internet and you see something and it's a design that you like, send it to us and we'll try to create something similar, right? That fits your brand. So I've kind of tossed around this idea of do we just have a kickoff month or even like a two week period where it's like 500 bucks, we'll get all your assets in line so that once we have those done, we just run. It's just drop the raw materials into those pre-established assets and they've already been blessed by the client and we don't have to iterate on those things going forward. Of course we can, but the way that it is right now, effectively your first episode is that test. It's like us taking our best stab at making something branded that you're going to enjoy. And then if you have any revisions or feedback or like preferences to that, we either have to say no or say we'll do it with the next episode and we'll incorporate those. You know what I mean? Because we don't really have edits built into our pricing in terms of like, stylistic choices they don't like, you know, for the blog post, yeah, it's just text. But for reproducing a video asset, because you didn't like the whatever we used, the animations, the transitions, we don't have that built in. So we'll have to try again on the next episode and get that iterated. I've thought about just doing like a paid kickoff experience on the front end and getting all that stuff nailed down, and then just running with it. Yeah, and that could be honestly, that could be like, ah, that's fascinating. I wonder if people are not ready not willing to sign up because they don't have those sorts of assets like examples of assets ready to go and so they could pay you first to establish it and you work you have a designer that works with them to do it and then from there then like all right now let's use these assets and let's produce your you know let's produce your episodes but step one establish your brand your you know your brand assets that's fascinating it's an easy on-ramp. It's kind of like my single document. It's weird because people are used to this. If you go get a logo designed for your business, the, the first thing the designer says is, send me some samples of things that you like. If you're going to get your kitchen remodeled, they're like, send me some pictures. So it's like commonplace in everyday life. But for, for some reason, podcasting and video, it's maybe not as intuitive. So maybe there is a world where it's like, hey, client, thanks for signing on. So excited to have you on board. Before we get too deep into things, meet Rachel. Rachel's a graphic designer. She's going to help us build something beautiful that fits with your vision. So work with her. Rachel works with them on a one. They've got two weeks to do it. She shares her swipe file. You can pick something from this mood board if you'd like. Or if you find something around the web, bring it back to me and I'll try to mirror that. Feels like something that as we get more mature and more sophisticated, definitely something to consider. I don't know if we could do that today, but maybe something that by the end of this year, that's one part of our standard practice. I could totally see that happening. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And you could test it out pretty easily too. Just yeah, put up a, you know, a little thing below your plans on your pricing page and see who clicks. You can always remove it. <laughs> you know? Yep. Yep. Uh cool. So then on the sales and marketing front, I think last time we talked, you shared April revenue and it made me feel guilty because I was like, oh, I haven't even crunched those numbers yet. So I did. I went back and and did it. And uh so April was just shy of seven grand. So it was like sixty-eight 
45 or something like that. And just with the way that our services are priced, like we, we can't get that extra 375 bucks or whatever it was that, that we needed left over. So I just rounded up to 7,000. Our margin was around 19% and 3,500 of that uh, was recurring. So pretty happy with where those numbers are. I think a lot of times when admittedly, like it seems like every week we get together, you're like, I sold a couple more, sold a couple more, sold a couple more. And I'm like, shit, what am I doing over here? You know, like I got to get on my horse and it's just natural. Like I know it's stupid and I, I know it's, you know, it's unjustified, but I think it's a natural human instinct, especially for entrepreneurs and people who are competitive, whether they want to admit it or not. It's like, yeah, I want to sell some too. I want to keep up with John. But then I, on times like this, when I look at the numbers, I'm like, well, first of all, we've made a lot of progress. And second of all, like with just with the way the pricing is, for every single subscription I sell is probably a big subscription for Editor Ninja or a couple of smaller, you know what I mean? So it's to only sell one one project a month is meaningful still for me in terms of top line revenue, just because of where we're at and the price point we're at. So I try not to, I say that for the listeners and for myself to like, I don't know, don't get too bogged down in the day-to-day sales activity, especially when you're not investing a bunch of energy into that. Because when you zoom out, sometimes things look a lot rosier. So yeah, that was April revenue. When you say 19% margin, that's like, you made, you know, you you made seven thousand, and after you collected seven thousand, and after everything, you're, you added seventeen fifty to the bank account, basically. Yep, yep, basically, yeah, cool. carrying that okay. over to the next month, and and you got to factor in that like we started this web redesign project that month, and then some of the contractors, the way that they're set up, like if somebody buys a bundle, six episodes. I pay them upfront for all six episodes and I just get them retained to do like the blog post component of that. So the cash outlay is done upfront. But in terms of like, so the revenue comes in April, those six episodes may take us till mid-May to deliver. But the cash outlay is all upfront because I'm paying that freelancer upfront. It's kind of a courtesy and it's kind of for my sanity because I just process one invoice. I don't have to remember to process six individual invoices for 200 bucks each, you know? So I don't know, there could be some debate there about how to handle that. But in terms of cash flow, like it does hit the margin for April a little harder because you're spending that $1,500 up front instead of spreading it out over six weeks in which part of it would hit May instead of April. So so it's kind of like the bundle versus subscription offering. Yeah. We should talk about cash flow. I don't want to get into it now because we're coming up on time a little bit, but we should talk about cash flow management in the future. That'd be fascinating because I would do it a very different yeah. way than you are. It'd be really interesting to talk about. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Because I, it's something that I'm not an expert in. But a lot of times as a freelancer, former freelancer myself, and occasionally do some consulting, like, I just try to be overly generous to them because I've got a soft spot for them. And it's if I can get a better rate from you to pay you up front for all six episodes, I'm happy to do that because you've never done me wrong in the past. So why not? But with a new contractor, I would not do that. You know, I do it per episode, but also it preserves my sanity because I'm like, hey, I paid for this entire bundle, entire bundled offering. And I don't have to worry about paying six separate invoices for each episode. I just do the one and I'm done. But yeah, in terms of cash flow, it is kind of problematic. So let me rifle through a couple more updates on the sales and marketing front. I did sell my first personal branding client. I think the last time we talked, I kind of you know floated that service idea where it's you sit down for one interview a week. We chop up that video and that conversation into a blog post, a personal newsletter, you know, social media clips, all that kind of stuff. One person did sign on for that. So that's good. That will hit in May in terms of revenue. So that number will be a little bit higher in May. And then I've got two or three more people who seem to be seriously considering that. So maybe there's some momentum behind that. And maybe you'll hear more about that going forward in terms of that being a more prominent service offering through Castaway, which is exciting to see. And then a couple other things around sales and marketing. Basically, we've been working in public through this podcast. I'm trying to figure out how do I experiment with what is it going to be that one predictable lead generation system for Castaway? One thing, one idea is to do more of this, but in online communities that already exist, Indie Hackers, Swipe Files. I have Creative Companion Club from Jay Klaus in here. 
How many podcast showrunners are in there? I'm not sure, but I know there are a lot of other indie makers and I know they have personal networks and I know they are usually well connected to other people like the Rob Wallings of the world or whoever who do have podcasts. So I'm wondering like what's over investing in there and what's worth experimenting with. But either way, I think there's something therapeutic in documenting your journey in a couple of different places or a couple of different ways. So just something I'm noodling on. And then the last... Can I say something real quick? Yeah, yeah, sure. I think it's awesome that, dude, a week ago you talked, you had put out a tweet if anyone was interested in the personal branding thing. And a week later, you have a paying client on board and two, three more serious conversations going. And we haven't even had, you and I haven't even had a conversation about it, like for me. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. Congratulations. That's cool. Like that, I feel like that. Thanks, man. It seems like it's got some opportunity. And so you figure out what that looks like, how to produce it, how to deliver it. And then, yeah, then you get in these, you know, groups where there are people that are, you know, on their second business or whatever. And, you know, the money's not necessarily a big thing and they're, they've been looking for something like this. That's awesome. That's a, yeah, let's, yeah. let's celebrate that. That's super, super cool. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm trying not to get too excited about it because I want to see about longevity there, right? Like there, there, you have to have some kind of payoff and maybe it's not a financial ROI, but you have to have a good client experience. You have to see some level of engagement around those clips. It lists at least like maybe not upvotes and replies, but you need people to DM you and say, Hey man, I love these videos you're putting out. Like how can, who's your editor or something like that? Like just qualitative signals that this is a valuable thing, not just for the client, but for their audience. And then it's coming back to them in some way, whether that's as simple as goodwill or whether that's leads or sales, whatever. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, it's very rewarding to see this initial traction. I just also want to see, you know, some longevity to it, some sustainability to it. I want to see it pay off for the client too, not just for Castaway. So yeah, hopefully I'll have some more good news over the next week or so. Yeah, that's great. Cool. And then the last thing I'm thinking about here is maybe dabbling in some paid ads or sponsorships. That's kind of the, not the easy button, because there's certainly nothing easy about it. But that's the simple approach to lead generation is, you know, get a website or a landing page up and pay for ads and get some eyeballs on that page and then try to get a sense of, you know, how people are interacting with that page, how long they're staying on site, what they're looking at, what they're clicking on, that kind of thing. So I'm just trying to do this mental exercise of if I were a podcast runner, which I just happen to be like, where do I hang out on the web? And then how do I get my message in front of those people? And what message is going to resonate? One thing that I thought was interesting to call out is I, I checked out Reddit and like Reddit is just this weird anomaly of an online community. Like I used to read a lot there in my earlier days, there's a lot of good entrepreneurship talk. And there's a lot of trash in there too. But I saw two different podcasting communities or subreddits that have between 75,000 and 90,000 members. A lot of those are hobbyists, but I'm just thinking, man, Reddit ads have to be fairly affordable compared to Facebook and all these other things where um, cost of acquisition is going through the roof. Is there a way that I can do ask me anything or a paid post or something in those podcasting communities and just get some qualitative feedback on the service offering and, and just see what happens? So I don't know, that one jumped out at me as like fairly sizable audience and I'm guessing fairly reasonable ad costs. So yeah, maybe I'll have some kind of case study or experiment run, either sponsoring a newsletter, sponsoring another podcast, or um, sponsoring like a or paying for an ad in a community or something like that around podcasting. I like that. And you'll find those things. I mean, you find those things just they compound, you start doing some on indie hackers, and then some people ask you questions. And then those questions turn into other content. And then you do it, you answer them on Reddit, and you've earned indie hackers, and then they you do an AMA, and it just like, compound. So start doing things is is really the lesson. Yeah, I I agree. And it's like the prerequisite for that is all the stuff we've talked about over the last few weeks. It's hiring a video editor, it's getting some kind of editorial support to identify which clips we need to process and, you know, building some of this, this plumbing, as I called it in Asana, like, 
you can't you can do all the the personal branding or the promotion activities but like you still have to be able to fulfill that work or you're going to end up having something similar to what we've seen happen with design joy recently i'm not sure if you're following that saga but he basically oversold himself and didn't hire in time and sounded like he had to cut a bunch of clients which is awful but that's that's my worst nightmare is to have something on the sales and marketing effort go really well bring some people on who believe in me and believe in my message and then not have the systems and, and team in place to deliver on that and have to either they fire me or I'm going to have to give them a refund. You know, that is not where I want to be. I'd rather grow slower and do a great job and, and maintain a solid reputation than move too quickly and have this thing crumble on, under its own weight, basically. Yep, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny because I talked about this with Lima recently and, you know, for he told me he's like, keep hiring editors, right? Like, for us, it's, we just got to keep hiring editors and we can keep selling. And I'm basically like keeping up with capacity needs, like just brought on this fourth editor and was looking today and I'm like, wow, he is already like 80% utilized. <laughs> so like, all right, got another editor coming on board. And then let's probably get, she's probably going to be up to speed. They are going to be up to speed just in time for the next customer to drop a bunch of content on us. And then we have the sixth one and whatever. Yeah, and it's good. I will just say, I think it's good that you're thinking about that. You're seeing the mistakes that others have made and you're thinking about that. And just be, and because you're thinking about that means you're not, you have less of a chance of getting into trouble. So you're aware of it. Yeah, you know, and it's not everybody can hit the brakes sometimes. And it's, I think part of the luxury that I have is I do have the day job and I don't need Castaway to be anything specific. I don't need it to be a certain size. I don't need to be at a certain level of profitability. I don't need it. I've always said it's kind of like a video game for me right now. And not everybody is in such a privileged position. So being able to say, yes, I can go slower. Yes, I can take home 19% profit instead of 35 or 40 is something that I don't take for granted. But but yeah, so I don't fault. I don't even know his name at Design Joy. I think it's Brett. I don't fault Brett for getting out over right. skis. It happens. It doesn't It have anything to do with him as a person or anything like that. But from the outside looking in, I, I can easily point to that and say, I don't want that to happen. So whatever I need to do to make sure that's not me in that seat, I'm going to do it. So yeah, I, I realize it comes from a place of privilege. But yeah, it's just something to be mindful of, I guess, for anybody. Yep. Totally. In the service business. Yeah. Cool, man. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll call it there. And we'll just say, you know, our usual spiel about directing folks to workingsessions.fm. A shout out to Transistor. They've been pushing out a bunch of updates with their website editing functionality for their hosting platform. And I just think it's, you know, is it the most beautiful podcast website in the world? Maybe not, but it's super functional. And for somebody like, like you and I, who we're doing this on the side of our side gig, sometimes it's like super efficient to quickly get like an and ask us a question page, episodes about page, subscription, all that kind of stuff up quickly. So maybe they'll be our unofficial sponsor for the episode. A shout out to Justin and John over there. And uh, yeah, check out workingsessions.fm for show notes, links to anything we mentioned today and uh, subscription links. So uh, any parting words for the folks, John? I don't think so. As always, James, it's fun catching up. It's fun reflecting on what's going on and what's going well and what's not. And look forward to doing it next week. Yeah, man. Looking forward to it. 